Election College episode number 287, The Supreme Court and, well, history stuff. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Jason, normally we talk about history, and uh, we're going to keep talking we about do. history. Well, most of the time. But lately, if you are, uh, if you're at all cognizant of the internet or the television or the newspaper, whatever it is, what's uh, a newspaper? That someday I'll tell you. I'll tell you about it. Okay. When you're older. Thanks. <laughs> uh, you probably have heard something or another about the Supreme Court lately and some confirmation hearings. So we're going to kind of give you some backstory. Can I go dunk dunk every time? I think you should. Okay. I think it's a good precedent for the show to have. Dunk dunk. But <laughs> you're not going to hear anything juicy or too current day here. We're just, we're a history show, like I said. Yeah. And Ben, I was reminded um, just now of the fact that the last time we did a Supreme Court episode, I talked about Judge Wapner. Yeah. He was alive. Mm-hmm. And now he's not. Now he is no longer alive. Buzzkill. Thanks for that. So, Jason, why do we have a Supreme Court? Well... Uh, that's a very good question because, like, when it all started, mm-hmm. they weren't very influential or anything. But the writers of the Constitution, they were like, yep, let's give this article to <laughs> uh, some some Supreme Courtage. And that's exactly what they did. They said, hey, President of the United States, you are going to nominate Supreme Court justices. And, hey, Senate, you're going to, um, you know, confirm these people before they're appointed. So there's a little bit of a check and balance there going on. Yeah, and I mean, we'll get into, or maybe we won't, but you can figure out what kind of a check and balance there is when things become polarized, uh, no matter which side it becomes polarized to. But uh, the idea was that they would have some checks and balances there. And like Jason mentioned, the Supreme Court, we see them. Dun, dun. Now. <laughs> oh, sorry. We see them now as having the justices having a lot more power or a lot of power, and that can be debated whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing. But we can all agree that when it started out, they didn't really have all that much power to influence like everything. Yeah, now it's a big deal. Like when you win the presidential election, Ben, you're gonna. Yeah, I don't think you're going to win the presidential election. I'm probably not going to run, so it's going to be hard to win. Yeah. Maybe you'll be appointed president, and then you can... Well, no, that's not going to happen. But let's say you, uh, faithful election college listener, you run for president, and you have a staff, and you're elected, and one of the first things that happens with your staff is like, hey, this is great. Um, We're going to have a little bit of a legacy here, because, let's face it, Supreme Court nominee... Uh, if they become a justice, then they're in it for life. And that's really the way that you as a president can continue your legacy for better or worse. And your staff is saying, okay, who are we going to have fill this role? And, you know, they'll look at people who are well-known 
and then they're going to look at some people who are not so well known and you know a lot goes into deciding who are going to be like the top picks for that right i mean it could be dozens of people or it could be like five people yeah and dun, dun. <laughs> it's really interesting because the president also nominates people from uh, or for other judge seats besides just the Supreme Court. So, you know, the federal judge seats, the president nominates those people. So there's a lot of power resting in the decision of the president and the confirmation of, by the Senate. Uh, to really influence how things go all across the country, let alone just in the Supreme Court. But this episode is about the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court, like, gets asked at this point. Used to, it was like they had a very short session, and sometimes they would even quit early and, like, go back to their other jobs because they didn't have enough cases to hear. Yeah. Now, enough cases get up to the Supreme Court that it's, like, over 7,000 cases are pitched to them, basically, and they take maybe 100 of them a year. <laughs> they're working all the time, but they're not hearing cases all the time. Can you imagine judging all that much? Be like, you're so judgmental. You're so judgy. Dun dun. And then you know, people. Some people have turned off the podcast at this point. I'm sure they have. <laughs> I haven't though. He gets I'm me every. Listening. Gets me every time when somebody says, "I've been binge listening to Election College." I'm like, "Wow, I would be sick of me." <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, um, there's all kinds of um, things that go into uh, the confirmation process. Uh, it used to be that you know the president said, "Hey, this sounds good," and the senators would lobby the president, and they would say, "Hey, buddy, president, nominate this person," and then the president would go, "Okay," and then you know most of the time the people were confirmed. But now it's kind of one of those things. It's like really tripped out (laughs) yeah it takes forever and that could be because you know we've been talking about how early on it wasn't that um you know the court wasn't that busy and a lot has to do with the fact that people um mainly the people in government don't realize what the original intent was and the original intent was hey you can overthrow your government every two years yeah how about that that doesn't happen. <laughs> it's really, it's kind of lopsided, isn't it? When it you is, think about yeah. it, because who in the government has very little to say about what goes on with the Supreme Court? The House. Right. It's all about the Senate and the President. And the House is over there going, um, hey, elect this person or confirm this person because uh, we can always have him be impeached. Yeah. Him or her. Him or her. He or she. Yes. It was a long time before there was a she on the Supreme Court. Dude. Or do that. Do that. Yeah. Dude, is dude gender neutral? I like to think so. Okay. Like, hey, guys. I suppose it depends on the person you're addressing, what they prefer. But, yeah. yeah. Madam. I don't know. Justice. Yes, Madam Justice. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, so, yeah. This, uh, the, you know, Judicial Committee. In the Senate, they get together and they're like, hey, we're going to interview you. And this really became a thing in the 1920s. And that's, uh, that's let's just stop there for a second. That's crazy. The Supreme Court has been around as long as our country, which still in the scheme of the world is not that long. Mm-hmm. But it's only been less than 100 years 
that that committee actually started interviewing people face to face. Yeah. Nuts. I know. And it all had to do with the people out West, the senators from out West. They were like, guys, guys, wait a second. Uh, why are you nominating all these people from the East Coast? We, you know, we want to be represented in the Supreme Court. Dun, dun. Dun, dun. And so what they ended up doing is grill <laughs> Harlan Fisk Stone in 1925. And um, all of these Western senators were like, hey, this guy, he's a money-grubbing Wall Street, you know, guy, dude. And that's what interest he's going to serve. And so... He uh, appears before the Judiciary Committee, and the committee's like, all right. Yeah. Well, not only did he appear, they he proposed the idea of him appearing. Because, dun, dun. <laughs> because he wanted them to all to be comfortable with him being uh, confirmed. So he said, sure. Hey, how about you? Uh, how about I come in? And they're like, <gasps> um, we didn't think we'd have to look at you. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the next nominee um, to appear before the committee was uh, Felix Frankfurter. Did I ever tell you about Frankfurters? So I'm I from, don't think so. I'm from Kentucky, right? Mm -hmm. right, right? Right now I'm from down the road. That's right. I'm from Pennsylvania right now. Well, you're, you live down the road. You're not from down the road. Oh, yeah. I guess I will always be from Kentucky. That's right. Anyway, the capital of Kentucky is Frankfurt, right? Uh -huh. And in elementary school... Um, it was on one of those little, you remember the ditto sheets? No, you're too young. Did you have ditto? No. Ditto? Oh, man. Didn't have them. Oh, man, you're so young. Anyway, those of you who are going to, you know, feel nostalgic over the ditto machine, there, there was this worksheet, and it said something about a Frankfurter, and I go to the teacher, hey, what's a Frankfurter? And the teacher goes, what do you think it is? And I go, person from Frankfurt, and she laughed at me. Wow, how rude. I didn't know a Frankfurter was like, hot dog i don't think there's any reason you could have or a supreme <laughs> court nominee that's right so yeah felix frankfurter he um appears before the committee because there's some uh alleged miss uh misconduct yeah some some slanderous things said about him bad things going on and uh he goes and says hey i'm innocent the real, really until 1955, whenever John Marshall Harlan II comes in as a nominee, uh, they don't really start interviewing everybody until that point. And this is right after the Brown versus Board of Education decision, which hopefully you know what that is. If not, go to school, go get some history. Yeah. Um, that's a, a totally topic for another day. But, uh, People were really concerned about it, and of course they were concerned about the makeup of the Supreme Court. So some senators from the South decided that they wanted to block his nomination. So they said, okay, look, everybody's testifying from now on. That's it. So once, what happens, Jason, after this committee, this committee of how many people are on there? 15 or it feels like 400 when you're watching the nomination. It feels like 400 people like in a... Yeah. 12, 12 square foot room. I think we didn't see that room, but we saw a room at the Capitol that's very similar in size. And I'm just like, how do you fit so many people in that little tiny room? It looks big on TV, looks decent size on TV, yeah. but it's not. It's not. Yeah. 
Okay, so after all those 400 people inside that little tiny room... I don't know how many people there are. ...get done, what happens to the nominee? <laughs> they, they take a breath of fresh air, they go outside, and they go... <sighs> and they see the poor, you know, the bill that becomes a law in Schoolhouse Rock. They see him. Oh, no. <laughs> They're like, oh, hey... Hey, Bill, how's it going? I'm trying to get confirmed. And uh, I just made it out of judicial committee. And yeah, it goes to the full Senate. And it only takes a majority of the senators. So that's pretty important um, to make sure your political party has the majority in the Senate because that's how your Supreme Court people are going to get selected. And, um, you know, that happens. In the case of Robert Bork, uh, he goes before the full Senate in 1987, and the Senate says, nope. Yeah, that's a problem. Not not a problem, but a problem for him. <laughs> a problem for the process, because, um, you know, you imagine, you would hope, that the president has invested significant time into choosing someone, and the Senate says, no, you got to start over. And basically what you're saying is, the person I thought was best is not going to get the job. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you're always right that it's the best, but it's interesting. Yeah. Your last name becomes a verb. So to be yeah. borked is to go before the Senate. They shut you down. And then President Reagan's like, oh, crap. What am I going to do now? Um, but yeah, back to history. Um, that was That is history. I guess it is now, isn't it? So it's possible that you won't even make it out of committee. Like, do you remember back in 19, 19, 2006, 2006, Harriet Myers, uh, President Bush, yeah. George W. Bush says, hey, Harriet, uh, get out of the White House, go and become a justice and uh, doesn't even make it out of committee. Yeah, it's it's pretty. I don't know. That's a pretty damaging ego blast, I would think, to not even be able to get a vote. Yeah, basically. Um, but alas, uh, Ronald Reagan actually withdrew a use or a, a nomination, uh, in the eighties because there were some allegations concerning marijuana usage by the Douglas Ginsburg. So they can also be withdrawn, uh, before they ever make it, they can be turned down in committee. They can be turned down on the floor. Uh, they can refuse. George Washington himself, who got to pick the entire first Supreme Court lineup, got turned down multiple times by mm -hmm. people who just were like, that eh, doesn't really seem that interesting. Sorry, I don't... I, oh, yeah, sure, George, someday this will be a big thing, but right now it's not. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The whole lifetime appointment thing um, is kind of telling. Yeah. Because they were never intended to be that powerful. Right. So... When, you know, Washington, Adams, and Jefferson, and Madison, all those guys were hanging out in the White House, the Supreme Court was just, it was there. And kind of what happened is, over the decades, the Supreme Court became much more of a political thing. So the ideologies became more political instead of, well, what does the, how do we interpret this law? And, yeah, like I said earlier, Congress, the House... It's their job to make the laws. It's the Supreme Court's job to interpret what the House has said. 
And if you don't like what the Supreme Court's interpretation of the law is, then you go back to the House and they change the laws. Makes sense to me. At least that's the way it should work. We think so. Yeah. I think everybody can agree about that. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so the the other way that uh, what can happen to a nominee? Okay, so the obvious one is they get they get passed through committee, they go to the floor, they get voted in. Uh, the other thing is that if if a nominee is not discussed or not acted upon by the Senate, the by the end of the term, um, nothing happens. They the nomination just gets shut down. And you remember this is. This has happened many times, but most recently you'll probably remember when President Obama nominated Merrick Garland um, when Justice Scalia passed away. And basically you have this individual who, by all accounts, is qualified, but there's a new president coming in. So the Senate, who was um, majority Republican... And says, no, we want to make sure we have our guy in, which is an understandable position from either side. Either side would have done the same thing. Exactly. And and the problem is we have sides. That's the problem. But uh, so that individual doesn't even get to see anything. They don't get any hearings. They don't get through committee. They don't go to the floor. And then a new nominee is brought in after that. Um, so that's... Whether or not they'd make a good justice, that's got to be heartbreaking for anybody because these individuals are not just some Joe Schmoes typically they pull off the street. These are like people who have worked their whole lives at being judges and basically um, they're groomed for the position almost. Which is really weird because <laughs> there is no like qualification right. to be a Supreme Court justice. Exactly. You can totally be yanked off the street and be like, hey, right. that would actually make a good movie. It really That'd would. That'd be like King Ralph, except oh. you could just pull anybody off. Give me a second here. Hey, uh, Warner Brothers, I got a pitch for you. I know. They should call it Justice <laughs> of the Supreme Kind. So anyway, yeah, that's how that works. That's how the confirmation process works. That's how the nomination process works. And then, you know, there's a whole other episode we could do. A whole other? Did I say a whole other? I hope you said whole other, not another. A whole nother? Whole other? Whole other. A whole other episode we could do. Uh, multiple episodes about what the Supreme Court does and why it's important and maybe why they do too much and why they maybe why they don't do enough. And there's just a lot of stuff we could discuss. But this is about kind of the history and the way it works. We're not how stuff works, but... This time we're kind of how stuff works. Man. I guess so. I guess so. Well, I guess if we were how stuff works, it would be like how... Well, I guess that's what we've been talking about. Yeah. Cool. Well, hey, if you... Man, I really hope they didn't do an episode about this. (laughs) And I didn't see it. Oh, man. They might have. Yeah. I don't know. Sorry, guys. I haven't been listening to a lot of podcasts lately, ladies and gentlemen. Um, But, you know, life is starting to settle in a little bit in the RV and um, you know, I think I'm ready to start listening to podcasts again. So if you have any good recommendations as we go um, towards the fourth quarter of 2018, pass them along. Let us know on Twitter. And while you're on the internet, you might perhaps want to join other of your fellow election college 
listeners by joining our group. If you go to electioncollege.com slash group, you will be ushered into the presence of Facebook, uh, where you may not have that much of a private life being on Facebook, but who, whose life is really private. And you can, you know, answer a few questions and join us there. Yeah, we would love it. And we would, uh, we would just really like to hang out with you in virtual land. Is anybody ever not on the internet at this point? Some people are. We're at the campground. I'm kind of off the internet. Oh, that's true. Okay. But you still have your phone. Yeah, but it barely works. Oh, okay. Well, then it's crazy. Case, you're off the grid, man. You kind of live off in the country a little bit. Yeah. Kind of. A little bit. A yeah. little sort of. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.